gorgeous through the day after an impressive atmospheric assault. Naturally, he returns to weather jazz after a brief midsummer break for Open Line Friday. Where in the world has he been? I'm not certain. That's something we will need to ask him. Welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather science, earth science, and sometimes we just chat about anything and everything that just happens to come up. And that will be today, kind of, sort of, on this post-severe weather Friday. We made it, everybody. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 546 for Friday, Open Line Friday, July 21, 2023. And boy, oh boy, what a crazy Thursday, July 20th. We had with a band of thunderstorms that produced an outflow boundary, basically a very long line of straight-lined winds that caused quite a bit of damage, especially in Lake County. But that was not the only place that we had damage. The line was very extensive. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. And a few other interesting tidbits that may stray from weather, but not by too much. It is really a kind of get back in the saddle episode. Had a few days where I really needed to focus my attention on my rather extensive to-do list. I still have a few on the to-do list, but I have nibbled away at it just enough where today on this Open Line Friday, I can kind of sit back, relax a little bit, and maybe kick my feet up after a rather exhaustive day yesterday. But I'm very happy to report that the dew point has come down. Here at the Weather Jazz Studio, it's down in the low 60s at the moment. We'll probably sneak into the 50s for a little while And that is just all right by me. And for those of you that know me very well, you know what my ideal temperature is. I put a poll on my Twitter account. And for those who uh, are on Twitter and they don't follow me, I implore you to add me to your list. And it's really one of the only places in social media that I will post things Hopefully some interesting things, but I have a poll there I want you to take a look at. Basically asking you what your favorite temperature for the summer would be. And I have four choices. And the results so far are very interesting. I'll have a look at that coming up in just a second. All right, let's take a moment right now to review at least to a limited degree for those of you who live in the Ohio Valley. That's not the only place that saw severe weather, by the way, yesterday. I'll chat a little bit more about that. And I'll post some resources for you on weatherjazz.com, episode number 546. One of them will be a map. 
The map comes from the Storm Prediction Center, and it essentially plots all of the tornado reports, the wind reports, and the hail reports from one day on a U.S. map. Now, the number of tornadoes, at least right now, as of yesterday, zero. There were no tornadoes initially reported yesterday across the U.S. However, what we have is a very large smudge of blue in the Ohio Valley and also a line that starts somewhere in the southern tip of Illinois going through Nashville down to Atlanta, and then on to the coast of South Carolina. Those two blue smudges collectively add up to an incredible 458 damage reports from wind across the lower 48 states. That's an amazing number. The list is absolutely exhaustive. In addition to that, we had hail reports too, kind of peppered, In the same region, not as many, but still a significant number. 118 reports of large hail that were reported. The most significant cluster, probably Colorado. Remember that the front range of the Rockies is probably the hail capital of the world in terms of where they get produced by thunderstorms in the summertime because They're a lot higher to start with in terms of elevation. And so the thunderstorms don't need to reach too much higher into the atmosphere to go below freezing. And thus, essentially, the giant atmospheric ice cube factory begins. So the hail production in Colorado and in Wyoming and places like that are rather numerous in nature in the summertime, but we can certainly see hail here, and we did see hail here, quarter size and even a little bit higher than that, or larger than that, if you will. But the wind really took the cake, and the highest winds were recorded with a part of the squall line that went through Lake County east of Cleveland. Cleveland is housed by Cuyahoga County, for those of you who are not familiar with Northeast Ohio, the next county over is Lake County, and you have Mentor, Painesville, uh, and Mentor on the Lake. And those communities, Fairport Harbor was a community. There's a buoy just north of Fairport Harbor that actually recorded an 81-mile-per-hour, almost sustained wind for a couple of minutes, Now, when all of this was occurring yesterday as the squall line was approaching Lake County, we called up one of the live webcams at Fairport Harbor, and what we saw just absolutely was jaw-dropping. It looked like a hurricane was going on, and it was not just an outflow boundary that lasted 30 or 60 seconds. This wind lasted five and in some cases, 10 minutes. And that kind of wind will cause damage. Most of the damage reports, trees down and some power outages too, occurred in that area in Lake County and in Northeast Ohio. Lake County is the one county with the greatest number of homes still without power. Now, it's not a very high number. Fortunately, we have a lot of those customers back online 
The county with the largest number of power outages in Ohio is actually Miami County. That would be northeast of Dayton. But uh, we have three counties, Cuyahoga, Geauga, and Lake, and a little bit of Ashtabula reporting a few power places still without power. However, those are quickly coming back online. Given the fact that this was a very, very powerful squall line, it is a little bit surprising that uh, we did not see many more power outages than we did. But we still have some cleanup work to do. A lot of trees get pushed over. We've got quite a few photographs in our photo gallery at fox8.com. If you go there, you will see one of the top stories, a photo gallery of the storm damage that occurred during the day yesterday. That's essentially where we're at in terms of severe weather cleanup mode after an exhausting day yesterday. I say that because we were actually on the air continuously for about an hour or so. And this is rather unusual because normally we do not break in with wall-to-wall coverage unless there is a tornado warning, which is in effect for parts of the area. That was not the case But this was a rather unusual circumstance in that we had a very, very long squall line producing straight-line winds that were quite damaging and going through some very highly populated areas of northeast Ohio, and that included Cleveland. We did have a tornado warning that occurred in Stark County a little later on in the night between 9 and 9.30. Fortunately, No reports of any tornado touchdowns anywhere in the state, at least right now as of this recording. So that brings me to my to-do list. What in the world have I been doing for over a week that has kept me out of the Weather Jazz studios? Now, I've been doing my radio hits on WKJA, heartfeltradio.org, and anybody in the whole world can listen at heartfeltradio.org by clicking on the Listen Live tab. For those that just happen to be listening, not only here in the U.S., but also anywhere in the globe. So I've been doing those radio hits. However, the rest of my duties have pretty much had to get put aside for just a little while. I have been working on replacing our old wood on our very large deck. It's a 20-foot by 20-foot area. And the wood is about 23 years old now, and it was pretty much beyond repair. And so I made it a summer project. I did order the materials and decided I was going to try to rip out the old wood myself and put the new composite wood And that stuff is just a dream these days. And uh, essentially take the summer, take my time and do it right and uh, slowly but surely get that done. Get some exercise uh, done in the process. So that's pretty much what has been keeping me busy over the past several weeks. I was able to rip out the old wood and install the new composite. It took me about four to five weeks to get it all done. And now part two, we'll be looking at the railing. But uh, I'm certainly glad that we did what we did. And for those of you that have composite decking, you know just how lower maintenance it is compared to real wood. And it's going to last certainly my lifetime and beyond. I'm glad we did that. 
instead of worrying about going on the deck barefoot and picking up splinters, which is something that really was a big, big danger, given the fact that the wood was beginning to pull apart, splinter, get very old, very dry. Some of the boards were starting to lift up from the joist. It was just not a very pleasant-looking deck anymore, and I decided to do something about that. So, That is done. Part two coming. Hopefully part two is not going to be as difficult of a task as pulling the old boards off of the the joists for the flooring. But I'm glad that's done. Glad that's behind me. And uh, so now we have uh, an area that we can really sit back and relax, look up at the sky And today, that's going to be a delightful thing to do because the sky has returned to a wonderful blue hue given the fact that the dew points are coming down and it's becoming much, much more pleasant. Okay, one more bit before I go. I'm going to give you a sneak preview at a book I'm writing. Now, the book I started writing in little bits and pieces, really back in January and February, for a very specific reason. Now, I'm not ready to reveal that reason just yet. However, I thought I would share at least a little piece of what I wrote yesterday about some of the weather instruments that I remember as I grew up and as my passion for meteorology grew. Now, I already have a working title for the book, but I'm going to keep you in suspense. I'm not going to reveal that just yet or the reason I'm even writing the book in the first place. This is a bit of a standalone section where I talk about some of the weather instruments that I've had over the years, and I'd like to read that to you right now. When I was nine or 10 years old, my parents bought me a weather observer's kit for Christmas. Part of the kit included a type of anemometer and wind vane that used a mechanical device attached to a large round pointer. Not instantaneous, it measured the average wind speed over a given time period, maybe 30 seconds or so, while the wind direction was instantaneous. That device found a home on the corner of our vestibule, which was visible from our south-facing kitchen window. I lamented that the device was too sheltered from the wind to be accurate. So my father offered to climb a very tall pole on our property to mount it higher so that I could see it catch the wind. While it was farther away from the kitchen window, I could still read it. Dad also did something I will forever remember. It was one of my early birthdays while I was in elementary school. Mom made me a birthday cake and gave me a few birthday gifts. Dad was working late at the restaurant, so he arrived after Mom gave me my gifts and well after the cake was enjoyed. Not long after, Dad arrived home from work carrying a bag from the store. He had one more gift to give me, and he had no time to wrap it since he purchased it on his way home. It was a liquid-in-glass true-temp outdoor thermometer with a very special magnifying front that made its observation very easy. I was elated. He told me that I could put it anywhere I wanted and that he would install it for me. 
Because I spent so much time in the bedroom that I shared with my brother, Denny, and because the window faced northwest and shaded from the effects of the sun from our neighbor's house, I chose that window. During a Saturday, not long after he gifted me with that thermometer, he took time that Saturday to set up the ladder while I was inside, showing him exactly where it was I wanted that thermometer. I'm sure that it was an easy thing for him to do, but Dad never rushed me. It was a chance for him to fan the flames of a passion that I clearly had. I spent hours upon hours watching the temperature from that thermometer. I found a photo of that vintage thermometer online recently, and it did make me smile. When I was in high school, my instruments began getting a bit more sophisticated. With my own money, I bought a Taylor Sixes recording maximum minimum thermometer from a nautical equipment store in downtown New Bedford. I still have that same thermometer today, the same one that recorded a 107-degree high temperature on my front porch in New Bedford, mirroring the airport's official high of 107 degrees, which, by the way, is New England's record maximum temperature on Saturday, August 2nd, 1975. I also purchased a down-east anemometer in Windvane, which was mounted on our cupola. The wired anemometer came into the same bedroom window where the true temp thermometer was mounted and whose two meters mounted on a finished wood block sat on the windowsill. In my mind's ear, I can still hear that wind direction meter's needle bouncing back and forth when a warmer wind was bouncing between southeast on the left side of the meter and the southwest, the right side of the meter. After I graduated, I didn't have a place to mount it in my apartment in either Cedar Rapids or Atlanta. So I had my mom give it to my Uncle Red, who installed it on his oceanfront cottage on Sconnecant Neck in Fairhaven, where winds were not inhibited by houses. As I approach the time in my life when I can spend a little more time with my eyes on the sky, I'm looking forward to regaining a sense of wonder for our atmosphere. Not to say that somehow it was lost, but certainly with so much time spent in creating a weather story, to which our television audience can fully relate, my fascination with weather has mostly gone dormant as required by my professional attention and duties. While I am fully persuaded that it was God's designed destiny for me to fulfill, and while I would not have wanted my professional career to go any other way, I can appreciate the raw passion for weather observation that many others entertain. And perhaps you can relate especially since you're a Weather Jazz listener and subscriber. And I certainly do appreciate the fact that you join me mostly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Now, as we go through the summer, there might be a few other times where I take a bit of a break. You'll always know that by logging on to weatherjazz.com. I'll try to keep you updated 
periodically when I am going to be taking a break. And I'll also let you know via my Twitter account, at Andre Bernier, A-N-D-R-E-B-E-R-N-I-E-R. I hope you take the time to subscribe. If you're not a Twitter account holder, maybe you would consider opening up an account just to follow me because I am planning on posting a whole lot more, not only text updates, weather updates, personal updates, but also videos as well. As a Twitter Blue subscriber, I can post videos that are up to two hours long. Not that I would bore you with a video that is two hours long. However, Twitter Blue allows you to post videos that are longer than the traditional maximum, which is two minutes and 20 seconds. There's a big difference between two minutes and two hours. Don't worry, I probably won't be posting any two-hour videos anytime really soon. But I hope to see you on Twitter. It will essentially be the best place to be able to chat back and forth. If you post a question, I will do my very best to answer everything that comes in via Twitter. Well, it is Friday. Guess what? It is my chance to brag on you. Didn't have the chance last Friday. There was no Open Line Friday segment. There is today. And I want to thank all all of you that step alongside me to allow me to keep Weather Jazz at a very high production value and level. So I want to thank Erica and Larry Shaw from Ohio, Brian and Christine Barnes, Ohio, Will and Tonya Krause and family from Ohio, and Victoria Singer from Northeast Vermont, and Kian Galunas also from Northeast Vermont. From Florida, Bill and Judy Martin, and I'm still waiting to hear from you. You can easily become a part of this elite group by signing up at weatherjazz.com and clicking on the Supporters tab. Well, I hope you have good weekend plans. As we head into the weekend, it looks reasonable and mostly dry, if not mostly sunny most of the time, with temperatures that are very pleasant and dew points that will behave themselves, which in my humble opinion would be anything lower than 60. And oh, before I go, I promised to tell you about my poll on Twitter and the question that I posted, what is your ideal July afternoon high temperature? I had four choices and you were restricted to only four choices, but It kind of picks up on the flavor of summer. Those four choices were 77. And those of you that know me know that I say that 77 is the ideal summer temperature. 80, 85, or 90. And the number one winner is 77. With almost 50% of the vote. In second place, 80. That was 25% of you. And 17% said 85, and just 7% of you said a high of 90 or higher. And by the way, just in case you are wondering, and you live in Northeast Ohio, the highs will be between 80 and 82, both Saturday and Sunday. We'll see you soon right here on Weather Chats. Weather and science across the globe. 
Jazz Podcast.